I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. I'm really excited to have you here tonight. Uh, tonight on this, whatever it is you're watching this podcast, I can't get the news guy out of me. I did news for 30 years. I was always on at night at five o'clock and I tend to say everything about night. My wife says to me the other day, do you don't realize that people don't watch you at night <laughs> anymore? I forgot about that completely. Um, show tonight is going to be interesting though. This is going to be really, um, met this guy, um, in La Grande, Oregon. Um, he follows me because of a story I did on, um, people who leave the Amish faith. And, um, I did not know him, uh, but he showed up at a bowling alley and we start talking and there's a whole backstory behind the backstory behind the backstory, which I'm listening to a podcast this morning and uh, psycho therapist was talking about how people are so focused on themselves right now and they're really focused on what they feel and what they need and she says part of the anxiety problem in the world is that people are too focused on themselves and maybe you need to start reaching out and finding other people to care about i think the story that uh, uh, my next guest is going to tell you will make you care about other people and i just you know i'm one of those people that i meet people and i kind of know if these are my people and Clint is definitely um, my people. So we got some advertisers that are, we can't do this without people like. From Oregon to Washington, to Idaho, to Montana. Uh, you need somebody who knows how that whole system works. And he does. And he is the guy who can save you a lot of problems. Um, <laughs> you don't want to get moved and be in the wrong situation. Also, Chris, your civil rights and freedoms are just as important as your dental care. Dr. Michael Bratliff, if you're looking for a dentist in Eugene, Oregon, who believes um, in freedom of speech, your rights, and knows how to take care of your health care, he is definitely the best. Also, Albert Taylor, Endless Possibilities. Folks work with people with different abilities to make sure that they have the life that they want and to choose. And Julie Hyperbarics and Wellness Center, Matt McCarl. He does light therapy, hyperbarics, and also uh, light uh, uh, massage, excuse me. And uh, if you've never sat in there and got high on air, <laughs> you do not know what you're doing. Here in Montana, Montana Oral Surgeons and Dental Implant Center, uh, they have centers in, are in uh, Bozeman, in Billings, in Great Falls, and in Helena. And if you're needing any kind of dental implant work done, they are the people to, chart, to get done. Also, Rings Heating and Air Conditioning out of Crestville, Oregon. They love what we do, called up and said, we want to sponsor you because of what you do. So we couldn't do our show without people like them. And, oh, that's my open. I didn't have the number on there, so I didn't know what it was. So let me bring my guest on. This is Clint Troy. How you doing, Clint? Good, good, Rick. Good to see you again. Coming to us live from the big, giant, Eastern Oregon metropolis of LeGrand. <laughs> that's We're right. And so it's very cold. How cold is it today for you guys? Um, it's about 10 degrees outside right now. Um, it's better than yesterday, the day before um, we were in the low single digits. So 
The um, whole country is like in this it is right now. We're at, it's crazy. I think we got up to zero today, but we've been down to minus 50, minus 45. <laughs> yes. My wife yeah. and I went hiking the other day at minus 21, and we decided to hike the Elk. You're Park. nuts. It was when we got back to the truck, I said to her, you know, probably the only thing that was really stupid about this is if we had had a problem or somebody like hurt their foot or something, it'd be really hard to get us out of here. But yeah. we about that until we were on our way back. Yeah. So, so Clint and I met um, recently. Uh, kind of, Clint. Why don't you tell him the story? Well, um, I had I had started following you I, probably a year ago or more. Um, you know, enjoyed your content and whatever, and then um, you did this type of deal with my friend Richard Miller and I watched that of course and um, I just happened to be driving through town and I see this white haired guy or chrome as you like to call it right <laughs> um, get out of the car and start heading to the bowling alley I'm like man that's Rick Dancer so I don't know why I just pulled over and walked in and met you and uh like you say, the rest is kind of history. We had um, a great chat, and uh, yeah, it was it was really great meeting you. Well, it's funny because then Richard, our mutual friend who lives in Virginia or West Virginia, no, he lives in Ohio. Ohio, okay, and you yep. were he was Amish. You were Mennonite. Well, we were both Mennonite. We have we have strong Amish backgrounds when you go back you know a generation or two but we grew up in the same church in fact there's a picture i should have sent this to you but there's a picture in our church there in grandin missouri there was I, I believe 10 babies all born within the same year and richard and i were two of those and uh yeah so we've been we've been friends since before we were born Wow. Actually, yeah. So then Richard calls me and says, so how much do you know about Clint's story? And I said, well, only what you can tell in a bowling alley, you know, where we're standing there for a few minutes. And you know how when you meet people, you can just sense if they're good people. I mean, I can just tell you were good. You know, I mean, I, I have people that come up to me and, oh, you know, and tell me all you know the great things about me. But it's like I <laughs> it's. I know they're just trying, they're, they're just, oh, it's, it's a celebrity thing. And you were like, you were like really sincere and I could just tell you had a story. You know what I mean? And you know, you've gone through stuff. And then Richard kind of tells me what you've gone through. And I was like, what? Oh my God. So can yeah, you I called Richard, I called Richard and I said, I don't know if I should be mad at you or what. <laughs> <laughs> so tell you know, tell people what kind of what happened. Well, um, so I have four children. Um, I have two older girls and boys. All right. You're fine. Uh, Somebody trying to call you? We... I have 
Yeah, somebody's trying to call me. I, I've I've got um, two girls who who are older, and then I had two sons um, who were about a year and a half apart. <clears throat> and um, June five years ago, uh, we went on a rafting trip, and um, we had it. Obviously, started off great. It was in the springtime. The river was running good. And uh, we spent our first day on the river and we um, pulled over and camped um, there on the banks of the Minam River. And we got up the next morning and um, we were probably, I would say, barely on the water for maybe an hour. And um, we, had a, we had a terrible accident. Um, the boys fell out of the raft and um, I lost them. So is it, did they have, you, they had had life preservers on and had taken them off or something? Right. Yep. And um, I don't know. It just, what happened, Rick, was everything was, the water was, it was moving good. It wasn't wild and crazy, but it was, it was higher than normal because it was in the springtime and there was a big rock that was just barely submerged and we were moving along at a pretty good lick and it caught the raft and stopped it instantly and just launched them out of it and um so i jumped in i jumped in the water and went after them obviously and uh but yeah i had all my clothes on um i had boots on and um i i just couldn't i couldn't get to them um i kept going under and i was right at the point of i mean hypothermia was starting to to take a hold of me i i couldn't hardly move um and i got kind of washed up against a gravel bar that jutted out in the river and i just crawled out um yeah, I mean, it was, I was out of my mind, you know? And so both of them drowned then. Right. So what did you, do you, what was the last thing you heard him saying? Dad. That was the last thing. <clears throat> How old were they? What? Um, eight and nine. So what does that do to you? Um, it, it changes you at a very fundamental level. Um, you, it's, it's really hard. I've never had somebody ask me that question before. What does it do to you? You know, the one thing I noticed, you made a comment, like you could tell I had a story when you saw me. And I've been in contact and met with parents who have lost their kids. And there's something in people's eyes when they lose a kid um, that I see, I pick up on it right away. Um, what do you think that is? It's, I want to say dead. There's this, there's this look. I, I describe it kind of as dead or there is like this 
deep sorrow, heartbreak that you just can't, you cannot ever, it doesn't go away, you know? And for me, somebody that's gone through it, I see it in other people's eyes. Like it's, it's very evident. So, you know what I wonder that I wonder too, that it's not, um, and, and see, look, I just want to talk about this because I want to see what you yep. think about my, you know, just my idea. I, what I saw in your eyes was a vulnerability that you don't see in other, especially men. Mm-hmm. No, it is because something like this kind of breaks you at a fundamental level. And <clears throat> this is one thing I've noticed about me. The one thing that it, it broke inside of me is like relationships. If a relationship gets really difficult or whatever, I can walk away from it without batting an eye or feeling anything. And I don't like that about myself, but that's something that it does to you because, and maybe it is, has something to do with you're so vulnerable you just won't expose yourself to that but there's also like this thing that's broken inside of you that if it gets difficult or it gets toxic or whatever i can walk away from it and not feel anything and i'm done and i i that was something that was just not who i was before really yeah how would you describe your personality before uh, the boy's passing? Um, generally, you know, a happy, positive guy. I always dreamt big, big dreams, you know, it's always, and I, and I still am, and you know, we'll probably come back around to that to some degree, but you know, <laughs> The thing is, Rick, when you when you experience something like this um, that breaks you down to your core, like it just absolutely destroys you. You know, and, and here's the other thing too. As a dad, you're out with your boys, like the wilderness being in the mountains, that's just something that is part of who I am. I love that. Right. When I go back through my old pictures of when I'm out with my boys, that's where we were. We were riding four wheelers. We were camping. We were, we were always up in the hills. That's just, and when you fail to protect your yeah. little ones, that is something that you just never shake. And it makes you question every ounce of who you are because you couldn't pull it, you couldn't save it, you couldn't pull it out, right? So what do you ask God? You know, <clears throat> that's an interesting question. I don't, when all of that happened, you know, I thought we were miles away from anybody or anything. We were in the middle of the wilderness, right? Like, where do I go for help? There's nobody around as far as I know. And it just so happened, I, well, I was standing there on the gravel bar and it's, it's a absolutely 
indescribable experience to be standing there. You're hypothermic. You know the boys are gone. But everything's quiet. Yeah. Like nothing's changed in nature. Like you're just standing there looking around and you you don't even know what to think. And I just remember thinking in my mind, like, you know, God, this just got really real. You're gonna have to like pick me up and carry me because I can't I can't do this. Cause I knew what I was facing when I got home. Like and it's one of those things just down, I started hiking down the river looking for help and I stumbled into this camp and it, this was maybe 8.30 in the morning and these poor people were had kids that were just getting up and making breakfast and this half crazy guy comes in there screaming and bawling for help, right? Right. And it just so happened that one of the ladies there was a nurse from phoenix arizona wow. and they they threw everything in their bags and packed everything up and got in the boats got me on the raft they wrapped the blanket around me and she sat beside me the whole way we had to float another two and a half hours and i had no idea where my boys are <sighs> so I'm floating for two and a half hours looking at everything in the river to see if it's my voice, right? Right. And this woman, I don't even know her name. She sat beside me and had her arms around me the whole time. And she kept telling me, she's like, you know, it's going to be okay. And I just kind of looked at her. She's like, you know, it's going to be okay. God's got this. And it was kind of, I don't know, almost a surreal experience. Like she was an angel, you know, uh -huh. sent there to carry, help carry me through this right. experience. But as far as when something this big and this traumatic happens to you, there's, there's no way to really wrap your mind around it and figure out how to carry on. And, and my whole, I guess motto that I live by, I think it was Spurgeon that said, when you're pressed into the dust, worship there, you got to meet God where you're at. Right. And you just hand all of this over to him and say, you know, I cannot carry this. This is, I cannot exist with this in my, on my back, in my soul. You're going right. to have to take this and hold this for me. And you know, he did like, I know so it how, sounds, go ahead. No, it had to be like so weird and, and it would tear you apart to be standing there going, what if they come up? I got to go get help, but I, but where are they? I, right. You know what I mean? I'm torn between. Oh yeah. No, stay it, there it, it, absolutely. Thinking they might actually be alive or do I go down here and I'm leaving them in the wilderness. Right. And well, and I was at a point physically, I had swallowed so much water and I was so hypothermic at that point, like I couldn't move for a while, you know, it was like, it's the most helpless, worst feeling like that you can imagine. So, so that's, that's the feeling of being alone.
Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was as alone as you could get. I mean, there was absolute phones didn't work. Like there was, you were just completely cut off. You were, it was, it was unreal. So when did they, how long did it take them to find their remains? So I did not know this, but <clears throat> probably 30 minutes after it happened, they both floated into this little eddy right in front of a camp. And this lady had gotten up and had went down to the river to get water. And there were my boys. Now, can you imagine that? No, this is just 30 minutes later. Yep. And they, how far down, how, how far down from where they died or went in? Um, probably a mile, huh. I would guess, you know, and to me, it's, that was kind of almost a God thing that they stayed together oh, and bo yeah. both showed up in, in, you know, in front of a camp like that together. Because the, the worst part of all of it would have been not to find them or not to find one. Like, that's all stuff that was going through my head, right? Because it's a big river and it's a long river and it goes a long ways, right? Right. And so to me, that was kind of a miracle that, you know, at least we found them together and we didn't have to spend days looking and all of that. So those people, they did uh, CPR on them for like 10 minutes. She told me this later. And um, they put their bodies in a boat and took off right away. So they were actually ahead of me. <sighs> and um, I'll never forget, we got down to a place called Wildcats right by Troy, Oregon. And we come around the corner and there was a whole bunch of people down there waiting. And this big bear of a man, big beard, comes wading out into the river and he grabs me and he's like, you need to come with me. And uh, I said, do you have my boys? And he's like, he goes, yes, they're here. And so they took me down to Troy. <laughs> Now, were you married at the time to their mom? So that's a little bit of a story in itself, Rick. <laughs> it's a little complicated. <laughs> you know what? Um, but life is so complicated. <laughs> Don't, I mean, really? I Don't you yeah. think? Yeah. It is. I, nobody gets out of this thing easy. You know what I mean? No. I think no. And I'll preface this whole thing with like, you know, I lived a lifestyle that wasn't right and wasn't good. And I'd been divorced once. Um, to, to put it, to make it short, um, my oldest son was with my first wife. And my the second son, Grady, Cash is my first son. Grady's the second son. 
was with my girlfriend at the time. Okay. Uh, Brooke, who I later married. Um, so, but at the time that this happened, Brooke and I had been separated for a year. And about a month before the boys died, she had talked to me and was considering get, getting back together. And I had tried really hard to get her to come on this trip with me, and she didn't want to. Um, and is this a second? This is a second son's mother. Correct, Grady, okay. the, the blonde-haired, curly-headed kid. Um, Cash was the older one. He had straight brown hair in those pictures. So, did you two end up? getting together or did you did this well we kind of that month we kind of did but then when this happened um it was you know death <clears throat> and i've noticed this rick death brings out a lot of stuff in people <laughs> good Dude, and it's, bad it's almost like don't you think uh, oh god we've gone through you know the loss of parents and right. with my wife's family, we don't talk to them anymore because it was so ugly um, when the mom right. and dad both died. And it's, it's, it's almost like that stuff in the Bible when it talks about God puts to get gold out of the, the, the material, you, you have to heat it up and yep. then all the, all the yep. shit comes to the top, yep. the dross, yep. and you have to wipe yep. that away. When, when right. you have a death in the family, there's nothing's held back. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No. no, it's not. And there was there was a lot of um, ugliness that came to the forefront. And you know what? I have no ill will toward any of them. Um, Brooke and I are on good terms now. We we talk a lot. At the time though, I was blamed i was the fault and i can see that right like there always has to be it was somebody's fault right that this happened it makes everybody feel better when they have right. someone to blame yeah right and so um that got that was that was really stressful and 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 she said like you know i can't do this anymore i'm out she asked for a divorce and i didn't fight it i mean it was as far as divorces go, it's as amicable as it could be under the circumstances because, you know, in my soul, where I was at at that time, there was no way that I was going to not grant that wish and be nice about it, you know? Right, right. That, that's just how it was going to be. Um, but there's an interesting, there's an interesting addendum to all of this. And it's a really, it's a really cool story. Okay. Um, her brother. So Brooke, she's tall. She's six foot. She has a brother who's six, eight, and he's a big bastard. And he drinks a lot, had a drug problem and could be meaner than a rattlesnake, right? After this all happened, he really went off the deep end and was threatened to kill me, wanted to kill me. 
he would tell the cops he's going to kill me. The cops would call me and they'd be like, you know, you better lock your doors and have a, a gun handy because Barry's on the war path again. Like wow. it was it was serious, right? He'd see me in town and try to run over me and all this kind of stuff. So about a year ago, it's been less than a year, he called me. He's like, we need to talk. And I said, okay. I said, I'm at my shop. And so he comes over and of course, I'm thinking all kinds of things, right? Like, what's this gonna be like? He gets in my truck and he starts talking. He goes, I'm tired of living like this, Clint. I don't wanna do this anymore. He goes, all this hate I've had inside of me, it's eaten me up. And he goes, I wanna fix this with you and I. The most insane thing, because the whole town, this is a small town, Right. Everybody knows the story, right? Like at right. the funeral, we, we had armed security because of him. Like it wow. was it was that bad, right? And so I've got this monster sitting in my truck <laughs> talking yeah. to me like this, right? <laughs> and uh, anyway, we talked, we drove around, we talked for a long time and we basically like cleared the air. And I, you know, I said, hey, I forgive you, like, I, I get it, you know, this this was a crazy time, There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And and I, I, I told him, I said, Barry, you know, I was hurt so badly, devastated by what happened, that what you did and said about me didn't even hurt me. Right. Like I didn't even really care. Yeah, I was, was I worried? Yes, I was worried about you. Long story short, the guy's working for me now. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's working for me now. We're good friends. Everything's, it's 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 a crazy story of redemption, you know. So what does that say to you? It says to me, like, you know, the way I that I was raised, and I'm forever grateful for it because I've been asked to talk about this before. When you're raised with a knowledge of God and who he is and what he means and how you're supposed to live. And you have that bedrock in your soul, even though you kind of strayed away from it. When something like this happens, it's a safety net that you just instinctively fall back on and you start operating from that premise. Huh. And I say all of that to say this, like, that whole experience losing my sons and and the whole mess around my relationships and everything it humbled me so deeply like who was i not to grant this guy forgiveness for being a loud mouth and being a mean bastard and threatening my life like you know it made me live freer he's living freer so it was good for both of us so do you, what do you, when you ask God a question, what do you, what do you ask him about the whole thing? You know, I don't ask him why, because I feel like I, I know some reasons. I think I know some reasons why my, my big thing when I talk to God is to make me strong, give me peace, 
and take care of my boys and lead me in the right way. Because they're with him. My boys are safe for eternity. I don't have to worry about them. But they're as good as it's. But it's taken a while to get there. No, it hasn't. It oh. actually hasn't because I knew instinctively, you know, God, God doesn't always bring things into your life. He lets things happen in your life. Don't you think that that's something we don't understand as people is there's a natural, I, I, there's a God, I, I feel like God sets up the world. There are natural things yep. that he uses to happen. And yep. yes, I think he's powerful enough. He can stop anything from happening. Right. We, if he was to tell us the real reason that things happen, like why do people get cancer? Why do people, two young mm -hmm. boys drown with their father on a trip? Why does that, we would never understand it. And it's incomprehensible to us. Right. So, yeah, but, 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 but naturally, but, but he also doesn't step in all the time and say, I'm get, I'm not your fairy godmother. And right. I'm not here to make, you know, I, I'm here to make your life amazing, but, mm -hmm. but nobody gets out of this thing, one, alive, and two, without, I think I was listening to a psychiatrist today. You're making me want to, you're making me, you're making me dig a little deeper in my world. <laughs> I think I bought into Clint, this whole idea that my life is supposed to be good. And I look at a lot of lives and I, it's how I look at it, that it can be good, mm -hmm. but there's just a lot of shit that goes on to get through this thing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It, it is not easy. And I think people are being pushed to their limits with the pandemic, the shutdowns, the loneliness, the anxiety, all the stuff going on. And it, and I feel like at least I won't put this on other people, but I think for me, and I'm going to guess for you too, it's to what are you going to look at? What are you going to focus on to make mm -hmm. this um, an adventure rather than a disaster? That because you I know, think I, I is so close. Yep, I could not agree with you more. The and you're right. The reason that I I don't ask God why is because I will never know until I get to heaven and see Him the full reason why. Right. The 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 what I want from God is to give me peace, give me the happiness that I can have because this is always an overarching thing in your life when something like this happens, right? Like yeah. you can be. I can be back in the mountains in my favorite spot doing my favorite thing and I'm happy, but there's this shadow hanging over it. That's always in the back of your head. Right. But I, I have peace with it because God didn't put me here to destroy me and leave me. Right. You know, and I think that's what a lot of, I had a pretty close friend lose a son two years after, three years after I did. She wasn't raised to believe in God. And I watched her struggle and question and go through horrible things. And 
it's really it really made me re-examine myself and my beliefs because trying to tell her about God and that God, your son is safe with God. He was a young kid. And she was like, how do you know that? Right. You have to how believe. do you know that? Right. And faith. it's, it's faith. And, you know, the Bible says without hope, you are of all men most miserable. And I guess I've always kind of been an eternal optimist, but that's the thing that keeps me going is, is hope. There's hope beyond the grave, life after death, all of that. It means so much more to you than you can ever imagine when you experience something like this. So how old are you? I'm 52. So tell people what's going on in your life now, because you've had some real successes. Um, yeah, you know, it's a, um, I was just talking to my sister the other day, my sister, Margaret, she's kind of a sounding board for me in a lot of ways, but, um, I had a company, a lawn care company that, um, I had for 20 years, a little over 20 years. And at the point where, um, my boys were still alive that last year. It was kind of on, almost on autopilot. Like it ran itself kind of, I didn't have to be involved about 50% of the time. So when this happened, my, my first instinct was I told my accountant, I said, I'm going to have to start something to wrap my head around that takes my full concentration. Right. And keeps me occupied. So I started a concrete pump company that I named CNG Concrete Pumping for Cash and Grady. And it was kind of, it started out as, uh, you know, it's going to keep me busy and it's a way to honor the boys and kind of, you know. Keep um, their dad out of trouble. Right. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, one thing led to another, made some connections with people and, I got in on all the all the Amazon stuff about an hour and a half from here and it just exploded like in in 5 years it it just turned into something I could have never imagined ever and uh but you know my sister and I were talking about that and you know she's saying I'm so proud of you I said you know what it's it's really a god thing I really couldn't tell you what I did right it just happened well, I th I think you could tell her you participated. Well, you know what yeah, I mean. That's true. You yeah. He obviously gave you a dream. You had good motivation because you wanted to honor yeah. your kids and keep their dad out of trouble, and you do that. And he blessed you beyond what you ever dreamed. Um, oh yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and you're making money off of Amazon, which isn't a bad thing. They're making money <laughs> off everybody else. You might as well be getting some of it back. I feel good it, just knowing that right. you're getting something for me, you know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> no, um, go ahead. Are you happy? I am happy, Rick. I am happy. Thank you for asking. And that that is because I leave all of this big stuff in God's hands and I don't worry about it. I, I really don't. And I wish I could impress on people when 
you go through these things that are tough and it can be, you know, I've been through two divorces. It's tough. I remember I drank myself into oblivion. I'm not a drinker, but I drank myself into oblivion for about two weeks straight. Not a, not a good way to handle it. Right. right? Um, you, you know, the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And he means that. Yeah. And it's not a qualified thing. You know, it's like, Hey, I'll take everything, but this, he wants you to put all of your stuff on him. It's, it's a, it's a relationship. And that's where, that's why I find peace and happiness is I just take all of this stuff and be like, here, God, you're going to carry this for me. And it works. You have to let it go. I think one of the biggest things I've learned is as any dad with, with two boys, you have a lot of dreams and you think about stuff, right? Like, my big dream was one of these days we're going to be packing up in the wilderness and setting up elk camp. We're going to sit around the fire at night. We're going to, you know, all of these things that you think about you're going to do with your boys. Right. And those things can sting the hardest is to give up on all the dreams and everything that you thought your life was going to be, but you have to learn to let go. Yeah. And, and embrace your new reality. And I know that's such a cliche thing to say, but it's true. Well, I was listening to a story. Jordan Peterson um, was telling a story that how he reads Abraham, the life mm -hmm. of Abraham. And he says, you know, he had it all good. And then, you know, had rich family for by, by their means, you know, lots of mm -hmm. livestock was doing well, didn't really have to work that hard, had a beautiful wife and, mm -hmm. And God came to him and said, you know, do you want adventure and do you want to keep doing this or do you want adventure where, you know, you can go out and I will make a nation of your of your seed. And mm -hmm. he probably reluctantly picked the adventure because <laughs> it sounded good. Right. Right. And then his whole life went through hell. Um But now look at the, uh, the, the number of stars in the sky and how many people are from the seed of Abraham. And it's, you know, I, 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 I think I'm learning from your story and that story and the psychologist today and the people that, you know, God puts in my life that, you know, we aren't, he, he says in the, in the Bible that worrying is a sin. Mm -hmm. And yet look how many people, you know, I am so worried about Clint. Oh man. I'm so worried. <laughs> and they're, and they're usually good Christian people. Mm -hmm. And I want to turn to us, all of us and say, you know, so I'm sinning right now because I'm not believing God. And I think my kids are going to fuck up enough to go to hell or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Instead of, yep. that's, he said, you're not supposed to do that. And yet, oh, yep. they sure hang on to the don't drink and don't smoke and don't use marijuana and don't cuss mm -hmm. and don't say fuck. And I mean, all those things yeah. that Christians yeah. put on their list of bad people things. But then in the next sentence, they're said, I'm worried about Rick because he says. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. Well, and you know what? I don't think God gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing of it is, is Richard and our circle of friends, we talk about this a lot. The, the, the circle of religiosity that we came from 
you know, the conservative Mennonites, Amish, when you go to their church services, it's like the most sad, depressing thing most of the time. Right. Because they don't have that light. They don't have that life and they don't, they can't let go and just let God do his thing. Right. It's, right. it's, it's quite an amazing thing when you, when you really think about it. So let me ask you, what do you miss the most about your kids, your boys? Hmm. You know what? My kids never had a video game. We always interacted and did things together. As you can see that picture, that was a four-wheeler ride. We had a couple four-wheelers, a side-by-side, -side, and we'd go up in the mountains. The boys were always up to do whatever dad was doing. Funny story, Cash, the oldest one, he had a knack for mechanical and running things, right? And so I had the lawn care business and I had these walker mowers or zero turn mowers and he would go to work with me. And I had these little headphones with radio in them, a little antenna on them and I'd turn the music on for him and he'd get on that mower and he would mow. And we were in Baker City, you've been there. There's a big park, Geyser Pullman Park yeah. right there. I, I had the contract for all Baker City stuff. One day we're there mowing, cash is out mowing away mowing his little heart out and a cop shows up and he walks over to me and i said is there a problem he's like yeah you got that kid over there running the mower i said well that's my kid he goes well somebody called in and complained this this was the second time we had the cops called on us twice <laughs> i missed that they were always all in on whatever i was doing and they were learning skills and they were um it was good for me it's like hey dad let's go right they were always wanting to be out on an adventure doing things whatever it was they were you know that's what i miss they were they were my best friends they were my little buddies and we were always having the best times together so here's an odd question so you start following me. You don't know who I am, but you start right. following me. Then Richard comes on my show and you, did you follow me before Richard? Yes. Before he came on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I have Richard on my show who lives in Ohio. You live in Legrand. You grew up together. I have no way of knowing this. And right. so then you connect with that. Then you see me in Legrand out of the, and I didn't announce to the world I'm going to Legrand right. and you see me. You come yeah. in and you say something and then Richard comes back like that. So why do you think you and I met? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think that, I don't know, this was meant to happen. Um, I feel like sharing my story and the positive nature of what can come out of a tragedy like this and that you can be happy and you can live again and you can but that's all all of this i'm talking about is very codependent on having a relationship with god you i was drawn before 
you know, Richard went on your show, I was drawn to how raw you are and how open you are and the questions that you ask. And you can bring things out of people. I don't know, maybe this was supposed to happen so more people could hear, like, there is hope after this. There, And I always, I always tell, at the, at the viewing, I was going to a Pentecostal church here in La Grande before this ever happened. We had the funeral there and the preacher of that church, he's a character. He has, he's, he's dead now, but I'll never forget. He came up to me during the viewing. The caskets are up there. They're open. My sons are there. I'm a mess. Like this is just, you know, yeah. He comes up and gives me a hug and he, he says in my ear, he's like, he, he said, God is good. And I'll never forget that just stuck in my head. And I'm like, how did, how dare he say that to me right now? Like, you know, that's just a crazy thing to say to a dad in a position like this, but it is true. It is true. It wasn't God's fault that that happened. You know, I never had an instant. And I get asked this a lot. I never had an instant of where I wanted to shake my fist at God and right. and scream at him. Right. Never had that. And he is good because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be of sound mind and feel the way I do if it wasn't for God. If, if, if I was on my own and trying to go through this on my own, it would be it would be a, a, a giant mess. See, I like in, in when I had cancer 13 years ago and people would say, you know, I never I never said and it's not because I'm so strong. I was a baby. Mm -hmm. um, I was scared because uh, my dad always right. said the worst thing that could ever happen to you is cancer. And then I get cancer. Right. He's dead. And so I'm stuck going, oh, I'm living with your trauma, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and um, right. But I pretty quickly kind of realized, OK, this is the plan for my life. From the beginning uh -huh. of time, um, you know. Yes, I love like that. Job, yeah, let's say like Job. You know, what? Satan goes to Job and this, our God and says, "I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna fuck up Job's life big time." Yeah. God goes, yeah. "Oh, yeah, that's part of my plan, and you can't kill mm -hmm. him, but you, you know, right. he'll, he'll stand up to you." So with me, it was, you know, oh, is it 2010? Oh yeah, Rick, it's on his schedule. He's supposed to have cancer this year, and 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 then people go. So I said, so. I don't think God allowed it. I, I, I want to serve a God. And I'm not saying this about your kids. I'm just bringing up a point. Right. I want to serve a God who has a plan that says, this is exactly how I have it planned. You may not understand this, but mm -hmm. this is part of the plan. Go with it. Just go with yep. what I've got going yep. here, you know? And, and it turned out to be probably the biggest blessing in my life because mm -hmm. I'm not afraid of a lot of stuff anymore. And I, you know, I don't want to get it again. That's always a problem right. because you always, right. you know, every time the yearly test comes. But I also have a lot more compassion for people, I think, you yep. know, yep. and 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 I want people to know I was not insinuating you came up to me because this is what I think is what I want people to understand is this is life. This is how it works. Mm -hmm. If you play with yeah. it, if you're like yep. a little kid and you go, yep. why does Clint? Because I know celebrity seekers 
And you weren't that. You're just some nice guy. Come up and you were so genuine. I mean, my wife, she gets she'll get bad vibes from people that come up and yeah. you know, they're all, oh Rick, you know, nah, 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 you know, and all that. Yeah. And you don't like that. <laughs> and and it wasn't like you were coming so we do a podcast. This no. is a story. This is yours and my story. It's a chapter in this thing we're doing. And God has come along right. and said, Okay, I got Richard over here, but Rick. You already knew Clint already knew you. Now you're bringing Richard in. And you guys, when Richard came on the show, I did not know Richard because I was trying to get a hold of some Amish people in my community to come on. And I had says I said that. Whereas a guy in another guy in Ohio saw that on my page, he contacted me, who then he contacted Richard because he's also friends with Richard. And I had the two of them <laughs> on the show. Right. So this gets even yeah. weirder than that. So then, so, so yeah. see how this all is not twisted. It's all put together. As it a is. And, and you know, Rick, I, I've been saying this for the last six months that I look at my life. I look at other people's lives Some people close to me. I mean, we all have messy stuff in our life, right? Like oh, you, 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 you don't get out of this world unscathed. Like the, the right. mess gets on you. And but there is this thing and I've noticed and I haven't fleshed it all out yet, but there's this law of reciprocity where what comes out of all that mess is so connected to your attitude, your faith, your, like you said, be like a child. Like I, I go to, as a, I had a very intense discussion today looking at buying some property and the other person was like you just kind of jump into this stuff do you ever think about it and like plan it out and well no i don't i've never really lived my life that way obviously i haven't planned stuff very well but i think there's like a childlike faith in god and divine providence and when he sees that that you just have put all your eggs in his basket and you're like hey it's all good like it's all gonna work out. Like there is this thing, and I know a lot of my religious friends are gonna come would say something about this, but there's this thing in the universe and it's God that all of it kind of yeah. links up and works. And I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, well, how would, I have two sons. How would you and I feel if, um, if our kids, you know, were going through bad stuff and they would, and they came and said, well, my, my dad will take care of that. You know, in the right. end, take care of that. isn't that what God would you'd want? God would want to hear. I mean, wouldn't he love that from us? Is going, okay, my two sons are gone and you have them. Um, I'm trusting you to take care of me. And don't you think he mm. just goes, yes. Okay. Now right. I can work with you. Now I can do this. So yep. it's that, that yep. childlike trust that yep. you think builds that relationship, but it also you know, I had a lady write me there that she said, we want to move out of Oregon. We want to go to Montana. Can you tell me the do's and don'ts? And I said, well, yeah. I said, yeah, I'd probably have a conversation with you on the phone because there's a lot to the story. But I said, you know, we ended up in a house in a town we don't really like. We love the house, but we don't like the town. It's just not friendly. And so we're probably going to sell it this summer. And um, we might just buy a Sprinter van and make it into a podcast studio and go on the road and rent something and put our stuff in it and and we're both mm -hmm. going yeah but we won't have a house and you're like so okay it's, we both kind of feel like <laughs> this is what we're supposed to do and we're kind right. of going um 
you know, that's probably what we should do. And then this lady goes, well, I'm so sorry that everything hasn't worked out. And I couldn't leave it alone, Clint. So I had to write her back and I said, no, you don't understand. It did work out. It -hmm. worked out exactly as it was supposed to. Yes, we made some mistakes, but it's it's still, you know, because and then she goes, I think what we're going to do and you can just tell. No, you don't get it. You're going to. You're going to make your own mistakes because you're looking at this like, I want to leave and go to fairyland and everything's going to be happy. And it's like, no, this is like, this is not how it, how it operates. And I'm, you know, yeah, I'm I'm kind of glad the older I get, I'm kind of, you know, so I think, you know, I'm, I really like this relationship. I want to stay, I want to stay connected to you. And absolutely. um, Yeah. And let's see what, what materializes on that. I, I love your heart. I love the way I respect the same things about you. You're real. And I noticed that when you came into the bowling alley, that you're, you're, you're real. And I think, you know, if I'm honest, I think I'm, I'm kind of lonely at times. I don't have a lot of friends here in the, you know, where I am and that kind of stuff. And I think it's hard, you know, that's the hard part of, I got tons of people in my life, but not real you know, sure. people you go. I know hey, how that feels. Yeah. You want to know what my <laughs> shit really looks like? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, no, it I looks, know how that feels. Yeah. So let's stay connected. And absolutely. And, and then um, I really appreciate you, you taking the time to come on yeah, here and thank do you. this. And then, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I will, uh, this will go live. Um, so all my viewers will now know when it goes live, but it'll go live on Thursday, the 18th. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so you can share it and audience, you guys can share it as much as you want. I just can't put it in the headline because Facebook and everybody else won't, they don't let you do that because. Is that right? Oh God. Yeah. So many rules. So, oh, you know, those of us who love freedom, we adore freedom. We crave it. It's a, it's a nasty little world out there right now. I've had to modify I've had to modify everything, but. Um, it's starting to work because as of today, I've had it reached a million people in a month. No way. Yep. That's incredible. That, I had no going, idea. It was going, I had a half a million for a year, about a year. And then mm-hmm. the pandemic, and I started being really honest on one page about what I felt. And it started going down. Well, then I started doing some stuff that a guy's showing me how to do some, some interesting videos that are different that way. And I started moving my content to different pages and picked up in a month. Isn't that picked- amazing? So what do they call that? You were being, um, I forget the word. It's throttled. Kind of ghosting um, you. Yeah. And they're ghosting me and they throttled yeah. me. So I just yeah. changed pages and now they're ghosting my other page, which I don't care as much about. It's my personal page. So I'll say whatever I want on right. there and my get real page. Yeah. They're just letting it soar through the ceiling. So, <laughs> and I knew I was always getting those numbers because I get enough response. I don't call. How come all these people yeah. watch? It can't be that, you know. So, right. Um, let, let's do stay connected and um, absolutely, absolutely. And, I, I I want to. It's uh, uh, what town you are you good, in? You got a good soul, and I and Thank I you. need people in my life with good souls. Thank you. No, I think we I think we match on a lot of levels really yeah and, and I, I think i'm that. ready after hearing just today it's funny just hearing these different people it's like i'm ready to do some some badass shit you know what i mean right it's time to get, well, people, get out yeah yeah you know you know absolutely because that's the thing is i get so frustrated with people letting 
bad shit in their life, messy shit in their life, throttle themselves down to where they're well, nothing. Well, this, this psychiatrist in Wallowa County, that's who my other guest was. I taped up earlier. He's uh -huh. a social worker. He's called the bearded social worker and he'll air next week. And he, um, <clears throat> he was on here and he was saying how much he sees such, so much anxiety and loneliness, especially in men. Um, and mm -hmm. the pandemic didn't mm -hmm. help because it pushed everybody um, out of, right. out of culture. And he says, you know, the best thing you can do is go help people. Um, get right. your mind off mm -hmm. yourself and go help other people, which we all kind of know, but we don't really know. Um, and yeah. we fail to practice And that. be productive, just, just being productive. I, that yeah. was the biggest thing for me was I felt like I was valuable to, to people. You know, the right. business I started, I, I became part of them. And it, it just being productive, I mean, you're that's what you're supposed to be with your life. You I know, you're wasting it. I heard a report on the radio, there's 4 million unfilled jobs and there's 4 million, mostly men, who are mm -hmm. choosing between the ages of 25 and 55 or choosing not to work. That's, yeah. that's not it's America. Insane. That's no, not, it's not. That's not going to, that's not going to get you out of your stupor. Um, mm -hmm. it's not going to get you out, out of your anxiety. It's not going to solve your, all uh, your depression problems. Um, That's right. you know, the way you're going to solve them, we're going to figure something out, Clint. I got some ideas. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, right, man. Good to have right. you. Thank you again. You bet. I Thank you so much, Rick. You bet. See you, buddy. We'll see. So that's how it works. Um, so you guys, yeah, to take this and share it on your page, let other people know what's going on. That was an amazing story. I'm sure that's not easy to tell for people. Uh, who've been in that situation. Um, I'm Rick Dancer. This is Get Real with Rick Dancer. And I think that was probably about as real as it gets. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later.